What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Can't wait for you guys to hear this next podcast conversation that we have on the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. His name is Patrick Bet David. He's been featured on CNN, Forbes, Fox News, Fortune. His YouTube channel alone, or his company called Valuetainment, has over 1.54 million subscribers. That is impressive, to say the least. He created a video called The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds in the year about 2015. And it accumulated over 30 million views online. It's cre- it created quite the buzz and created massive awareness for him and his brand. His brand, Valuetainment, exists to teach about the fundamentals of entrepreneurship and the personal development while also inspiring people to break from their limiting beliefs or other constraints to achieve their dreams. It's been referred to as the best channel for entrepreneurs. Patrick speaks on a wide range of business, leadership, and entrepreneurial topics, including how and why he chose to become an entrepreneur, and the importance of learning how to fully process issues. He is particularly passionate about the need for every individual to pursue their dreams and their desires. One of my favorite quotes that he says is, in the end, your success will speak for itself. Patrick has hosted one-on-one interviews with some of the world's most iconic people. Like here's a list of some people that Patrick spent one-on-one time with. James Worthy, Hall of Famer, Magic Johnson, Hall of Famer, billionaire entrepreneur, Mark Cuban, Indy 500 winner, Al Unser Jr., Apple co-founder, Steve Wozniak. Everyone has heard of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Yep, he did him too. Sat down with Kobe Bryant and many others, literally from a humble beginning as a young immigrant escaping a war-torn Iran with his parents to founding his own company, Patrick has gained a first-hand understanding of what rags to riches means and how it is fueled by his freedom and opportunity, the core tenet of the American dream. Patrick resides in Dallas, Texas with his wife and three children. And once again, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, we are one of we are with one of the giants in the entrepreneurial space. I'm actually a little bit nervous. <laughs> you are, I can tell. You can, right? I can. One of my mentors, and I can say this because I've consumed almost every piece of uh, content you've deployed on, on YouTube, Pat. And uh, it's not often that I get starstruck, but I have to give a little context to this. We were in, Craig and I were in uh, the breakers over, I guess it was Memorial Day, right, Craig? Yes. And I, I was walking through the lobby and I walking with my wife and I said, oh my gosh, I think that's him. And she said, she could tell that I was about to go embarrass her. And I said, you got to give me one second. I got to go, go to- talk to him. <laughs> and so sure enough, I walked in. I was like, Mr. Bed David? He's like, yeah. I was like, thank <laughs> you so much for all that you do just online. And he's That's like, awesome. anyway, we sat there and chatted for a second. He's like, what do you do? Anyway, that was the end of um, embarrassing my wife. But I went on and I said, I thought to myself, we have to get awareness to him in the dental community because he does exactly what we do in, for all entrepreneurs like we do in the dental space. And so I'm just thrilled to be here. Like I said, uh, thrilled to have you on, thrilled to be having this experience and um, we'll jump right into it. Craig, do you have anything to add to that? 
No, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan as well. And a similar story happened. I was in Vegas. I saw Simon Sinek and I went completely fanboy, like literally like a 15 year old girl seeing Justin Bieber. And I'm like, and Peter didn't even know who like Simon Sinek was. I'm like, dude, you got to get a picture. This is amazing. So I'm, I'm so honored to have you here. This is a great honor for not only us, but the dental community that we uh, so passionately serve. So well, thank thanks you. for having me. It's good to be on with you guys. So I want to jump right into kind of some of the, uh, you know, we've obviously told you I've consumed all your, all your content. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was your video that I think gave you a lot of fame, which was the 90 seconds of uh, being an entrepreneur. And so many dentists are kind of entrepreneurs, whether they'd like to believe that or not, not. But can you speak about like, you know, number one, kind of what prompted you to do that? And, and then number two, how have you learned to kind of lean into entrepreneurs and help them so much? Yeah, so for me, uh, years ago when I started, I was making content, but only for our company. I run an insurance agency with about 12,000 agents uh, uh, in, in 49 states. We have around half a million square feet of office space nationwide. And so I have to deal with investors, De La Hoya, all these guys that are in the company. We had a convention, uh, I think, seven weeks ago with about seven, 8,000 people in attendance with Kobe Bryant there, President Bush there. If you saw the interview with Kobe and Shaq, where the whole thing was, if Shaq had my work ethic, he'd be... <laughs> that was the live interview that happened. So, so that's what I do full time. So years ago, when I'm creating content, Mario said, Pat, I think we got to create content live, not unlisted or private. I said, what are you saying? He says, why don't we start a YouTube channel? I said, that's just not part of the game. He said, I think we ought to. So we did. And the channel was called Patrick by David. And I would create content on a lot of different topics. It wasn't necessarily that specific. And then two and a half years into it, we sat down and I said, we got to pick the one word that I can talk about deep in a, in, a, in a very deep way where we can get into different elements of the business. What is the one topic? And I asked my wife, my peers, my board, everybody I'm working with, they said, Pat, it's got to be entrepreneur. So then we changed the channel's name from Patrick Bay David to Valuetainment, where I could bring other talent to also teach on Valuetainment one day, where it becomes a media company. At that time, Valuetainment was a publicly traded company in Germany. And I thought I came up with this great idea, great name that nobody's ever thought about before. It was a publicly traded company. We uh, contacted the CEO. His name, was, his name is Dirk. And I asked him to sell the domain. He says, I'm a publicly traded company. I'm not selling the domain. A year later, he said a half a million. And a long story short, we bought the domain six months ago for $27,500. We own the domain of Vitamin.com is our domain. Awesome. So we shifted to purely topics having to do with entrepreneurship. Once we made that decision on October 30th, we launched a video, Life of an Entrepreneur, 90 Seconds on YouTube, October 30th, 2015. And in 12 hours, it got 2,500 views. It wasn't a hit. And then uh, that day on October 31st at 3.13 p.m. in the afternoon, I decided to, to, to do a direct upload. It's the first video ever I direct uploaded on Facebook. I've never direct uploaded anything to Facebook. And I put it up and we went uh, trick-or-treating with my uh, wife and my kids. We went to Northridge Mall. We came back three hours later. It said a quarter million views. I'm like, how many views? Quarter <laughs> million. I'm getting all these weird emails. I'm like, I don't even, I don't understand what's going on here. So we go to sleep, wake up. In the morning, my phone has 70 text messages. Website is down. This website is down. Did you see what happened? I don't know what's going on. Five o'clock in the morning, we're on the phone with our server. The video ends up getting 5 million views in 12 hours. Holy shit. 15 million views in the first 30 days. I think today, collectively, it's around, you know, 50 million views. And then with all the other people that put up the video on Facebook and YouTube, it's around 200 million views. So 
So that's kind of what happened with that life of an entrepreneur. But my focus became telling the story that people don't want to tell. You know how you get married and you talk to somebody else and they say, oh, getting married is the best decision you'll ever make. It's so amazing. It's so rewarding. Bullshit. It's, <laughs> I can't get along with myself, let alone you want me to get along with another human being and have kids and have to deal with her in-laws, my family. I'm not dealing with this. So marriage, we typically hear the whole uh, Hollywood story. And I said, I'm going to give that story a business. If you don't want it, don't do it. But there is the difficult aspect of business. And then if you're willing to do it and you're tough enough and you win, more power to you. So we took a different approach and it ended up working for us. I love that. I was watching a video. Um, I was just catching up on some stuff last night. And one of the things that you were talking about is that voice never going away. It never goes away. And you just figured a certain point, once you've made it, and I use finger quotes, made it, that it just suddenly goes away. It just never, ever goes away. That incessant voice. You're not good enough or not whatever enough. And no matter how much money you make, it's never going to go away. No, I hear that, but I haven't made that much. So Yeah. I mean, when you... When you- <laughs> When you make, I mean, you run a, you run a, you said 14,000 square foot practice. So you got a great practice you're running and you guys have done a great job with your podcast, 400,000 downloads for a niche, you know, podcast as dentistry. I mean, you're not, you haven't done some small for the audience in the dentistry world. They know who you're on, what you're doing. It's very impressive. It's not like it's a massive audience of 50 million dentists in America. It's a small community. So to get to a number like that, that's impressive. But you know, the part where, you know, you make your first million, you're thinking critics will stop. They won't. You make 10 million, they won't. You make 100 million, they won't. But what eventually ends up happening, it's like the running back that runs through the middle and all these helmets hit their elbow and nothing happens. And they just kind of take it over and 35 rushes for 117 yards. And how come your elbow's not broken yet? It's because the skin gets thicker. So, so the more and more you go through, it actually becomes louder and more people but you can handle it now because you don't have to prove as much to people like you once needed to do. So you've already self-validated to yourself, not the world, to yourself. And that makes it a little bit easier to handle it at that time than at the beginning stages. And the harshest critic we all have is ourselves. That's the one that crushes our, crushes our spirit the most is the self-doubt. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true-to-form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. That was something that resonated, you know, one of the things you put out, Patrick, is the thing that resonated with me the most, and Craig and I had did a podcast on this, was essentially like about taking risk, because dentists as a whole, we feel are pretty risk averse, and when you said that, that quote, you know, you can never lie to the man in the mirror, you know, can you face, can you face what yourself when you're 80 years old and saying, huh, you didn't really accomplish your dreams, like, are you okay with that? And, and uh, so our podcast was really on like, look, not taking a risk is actually the riskiest thing, you know? Um, and so really, I, I feel like you, you, that just resonated with me so much because, uh, yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, you got a lot of people that are going to matter in your life. You got your wife or your husband, you got your kids, your parents, your friends, your cousins, people that matter to you. Right. And you want to you want to make some of these folks happy. You want to win for a lot of these folks. You want to hear the magical word. I'm proud of you. You know, all this other stuff. 
but but the reality of it is, man, I mean, there's only one person you're going to spend every second of your life with, and it's you. And if you don't get along with you and you don't like you, you're going to have a hard time liking a lot of people. So the moment I got comfortable with my own madness, the moment I kind of sat there and I said, you know what? People said you're this, people said you're that, people said you're this, you're, you know, hypomanic, you're this, you're, you're a little bit ADHD, you're a little bit, I'm like, eventually I'm like, you know what, I am so comfortable with this guy, I like this guy, I actually enjoy this guy's company, I can go to movies by myself and enjoy it, you know, back in the days when people used to talk to themselves, they called them crazy, I talk to myself every day and I do it out <laughs> loud and I really don't care, like, I'm talking to myself in the bathroom, in the shower, in the car, in the mall, at the gym, I'm talking to myself all the time because I'm enjoying the conversation with myself. And so that's one of the reasons today I was talking to Ray Dalio earlier. He and I had a 30-minute conversation together, and we were talking about values and principles. And you know his book, Principles. Yeah, yeah, great book. And, you know, I said, you know, while he and I are talking, I said, you know, Ray, one of the things that I appreciate about your book is how you come about your decisions and how you process them. Because for me, confidence score think about like confidence score like a fica score right like an a20 is a good score you can get anything financed and mm -hmm. you know 500 is a terrible score think about your confidence as a fica score okay if you're 580 you don't have a lot of confidence 680 you're good but you still have some self-doubt 780 you're good you know the more my behavior peter matches and is aligned with my values and principles i am most aligned so if my values and principles is this, and I go a little this way, I'm not aligned, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not happy, I feel a little weird. Mm -hmm. So if I believe in this set of values and principles, I have a certain set of non-negotiables that I'm not negotiating. If I stick to this and I build on this, my confidence says, look, man, this guy's got a, you know, he's a man of his word. If he says he's going to do something, he does it. Confidence is here. If I'm like compromising, 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 and I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. I always have like something to hide. So, you know, once, once your principles are aligned with the way you're living and you're behaving, you'll notice somebody that is extremely confident. And by the way, the, you may not agree with their values and principles, but that's irrelevant. I don't know if that part makes sense. Yeah, so, alignment. That's yeah, alignment. Alignment. yeah, he's comfortable. He's aligned. A mobster may have more confidence than you because he has bought into the values and principles of a mobster and because of that, he thinks he's living the right life uh, following those values and principles. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but he's got confidence in his delivery of his values and principles. So we have to make sure our values and principles are clear to us. Then we live there. Then you walk like this. And people notice that eyes change, mannerisms change, hesitation, handshakes, everything changes because you're aligned and people feel it and they want to work and be around people that are confident. Yeah, and very, yeah, pe very people rarely. feel what you believe, you know, like people have that built in bullshit detector. If you have int integrity and you're whole, whatever that, even if your integrity is as an asshole or whatever it is, if your integrity, then people feel it and they believe it. And it, it's just, it's, it's magic what you're saying. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. And it's just funny how like, you know, very rarely is the enemy an external one, right? It's usually between our own two, our, our own ears and we're, we're having this own, you know, set of beliefs like, oh, I shouldn't have this much success or, oh, I shouldn't grow more practices or whatever it is. Oh, or I'm making too much money. I feel bad for that. Right. And we, and we kind of like, we, 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 we go down, right. We find middle road and we get uncomfortable with that. And I just think how, what you're saying is, is be authentic with your beliefs and like be aligned with it. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, I had, I got a call uh, yesterday. So a guy called me 
this guy last year, him and his company made a decision, an insurance company, that cost us, I don't know, $15 million, okay? We took a hit. That's a real hit of $15 million. Yeah. And we were not at fault at all. So initially, I had my entire compliance attorneys, everybody go and investigate to see what happened here with a decision like this being made. You can't make a decision like that. We couldn't figure out what it was, but it cost us $15 million. So fast forward, we move very quickly because, you know, it's anticipation crisis mode. So we're ready. We kind of know if you attack us from this angle, we're ready. If you attack us from that, for the most part, we have our blind spots covered that if somebody wants to flank and attack us from the back or whatever angle, we're pretty much covered. And so we were ready for this and we were anticipating if this were to ever happen, we're going to be ready for it. He calls me and we get on a call. He says, yeah, I just want a few minutes of your time. He says, I just want to call you and tell you, you know, what do you think happened to our relationship? I said, what do you mean what happened to our relationship? I said, we were good. We didn't have any issues with you. You one day decided to cut the contract with no reasons. And you simply said, I can do it if I want to. And you're right, you could do it, but you disrupted the business a little bit. And I wasn't happy about the decision, but I have nothing against you. Six months after you dropped the contract, you posted on your birthday that you were giving it away to a charity and I was the first one that gave $200 to your birthday. No one gave you more from your family and friends. And I just gave it to you because I have perspective to know that's personal. This is business. I can separate the two. I don't have a problem with you. You're a good citizen. You have good kids. You've done a good job to America. More people like you in America make this a better place. You minimize taxes because you figured out a way to make money. Your kids have gone to private schools and you funded it. The government didn't pay for it. Taxpayers didn't pay for it. I respect you. You make my life easier in America. So because of that, here's this. I said, but what happened to you guys? You know, we didn't do anything wrong. Why did you make that decision all of a sudden? He says, Patrick, we made a massive mistake and I'm calling to apologize. And I'm like, interesting. So then he goes and he says, you have to realize us dropping your contract cost us more money than you would know. And then he went through opening up. His income dropped 66%, his income. Drop 66%. That's a big number when you're a $4 billion company. Yeah. And he says, this is what happened to us. You were giving us 3,000 policies a month, 2,000 policies a month. And at that time, we're doing around 2,000 policies a month. On average, good month is 3,000 policies a month. I told him, I said, I don't know if you know or not. Last month, we did 6,540 insurance policies in a month. I said, when you guys left, we had 50 offices. We now have 108 offices. So we have gone all over the place because we're ready. If somebody wants to pivot, we will pivot as well. Then his boss's boss calls me and we have a call to say, hey, listen, I know, you know, we're trying to figure out a way if we can rekindle this relationship. And uh, they want to go through the process again, the same way to look under your hood and et cetera, et cetera. I said, I'm not open to that. This is what he mean. I said, you got to realize that we have nothing to prove. They have to prove. I said, if they want the business, they got to prove to me that they want the business back on and every single term that we had, it all has to change and it has to go higher and better for us than for them. I want better contract. I want better support. I want, I get it out, not you. If I want to get out, I leave. You can't leave me. I tell you if I'm leaving, you got to put all that stuff in if you want it. And if you do, you're going to get back to a few thousand policies a month, but it has to be based on our terms. Now, what's my point here to you? Here's the point. I spoke to him in a way where I wasn't being an asshole. 
I was being firm and confident because I don't compromise my non-negotiables. And if we do the right thing, I don't have to compromise it for nobody. So if you choose to come back because you felt you made a mistake, we'll totally do business again. We won't put it in your face. We'll be good and we'll talk about it once and we'll move on. But it's important because going back to it again, when you're saying as you're going up and how do you handle the conflict because you're your own worst enemy and all this other stuff, it goes back to the same thing. Just get clear on every time you make a good or a bad decision, you got to make a list of how you made it. Like right now, we're about to find a replacement for me as CEO. So our board, I'm going to be the chairman of the board. We're trying to find a CEO. And one of the things we're doing is we're recording 30 hours of content uh, uh, of me sitting behind my desk and I'm talking to the CEO that's taking over my job. Okay, so kind of try to visualize this on what it's like. And I'm going, here's the top 10 mistakes I made, okay? Here's the top 10 things we did here. Here's how we handle relationships with partners. Here's how we handle relationships that didn't work. Here's how we handle, and I'm gonna explain every detail about it, why? Because I have to transfer over the values and principles this company was founded on, which has made other partners comfortable to do business with us, to be passed down to the new CEO, so the CEO who's coming from another $200 billion insurance company is not going to come and confuse everybody because they're not used to that kind of a, a culture that he's bringing. So I'm going to do 30 to 40 hours of content for this person. And that person's going to sit there for the first month before even doing anything with us. Interesting. He did this. Can you tell me why you did this? And then he and I are going to have a dialogue. Well, why, why did you guys make this decision? Because of this. Can you tell me the whole story about this person? Yes. So now here's a playbook. Now you go do whatever you're doing with the next decisions coming. But because values and principles are aligned. It's consistent. You trust yourself, the people you do business with, they trust it as well. And then you start attracting the people that fit into this philosophy. So as much as I'm my own worst enemy, I am becoming more and more my own ally than my own worst enemy. And uh, it, it's a lot of work. But that's come with a lot of time though, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you've it's, learned it's, so much. And, and It's self-esteem though. It's esteem for oneself. You don't give it, you don't, I mean, you don't, you actually have to earn it. You There's like a, like, there's a, like a camera in your brain that's watching your activity. There's, there's an observer in your psyche and it's watching you. And if you behave in a way that it likes, you have integrity. If you start violating your own principles, there's that, that subconscious voice will F with you. So it's, it, I love this. I'm, I'm really, really loving this, man. But it's esteem for yourself. And I'm, I'm going through the same thing. I had a guy that for a while, this, there was a dentist in this organization and it was the tail wagging the dog. Literally, I cowered to him because he's a big producer and I'm, I'm a sucker for people and I, I love my people and I want quality. And I will actually be miserable as long as my patients have good quality. So I'm a pleaser and I have all that other bullshit that's going on. So this guy was dictating terms to me that were really bad for the business, but he's great for the patient. And finally, he would, he would resign. I'd beg him to stay. And I'm like, I'm violating all my own principles. I, didn't, I was so mad at myself. And then one day on Father's Day, I'm at the, um, at the seminar. And he'd always do it on a holiday. I text him like, hey, happy Father's Day, bro. All the best for you and your family. What does he do back? He's like, you know, things aren't really working out. It's time for me to go. And it was just, it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was an empty threat. But I finally had enough. And that little voice in my head, like, you're not going to and take that again. And I said, I wish you the best of luck. We've had an amazing relationship. Love you like a brother, but I guess you got to go. And he was like, yeah. he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Still can't. And by the way, it's, it's a form of bullying, just so you know that. You were it being is. bullied. It is a form of bullying. Yeah. If you allow it, people will bully you constantly. I know. Yeah. Patrick, uh, you've had, obviously, you know, in the intro, I talk about the people that you've had the opportunity to have proximity with or interview and, and you've 
you've been had access to so many incredible people, so many, so many wisdom, people who are full of wisdom. Can you speak about like kind of now that you've grown so much, the one piece of advice you'd give yourself that 20 years ago or 10 years ago that would have just saved you a lot of pain and heartache? Yeah, so it's it, it's different uh, per each you know stage of my life. Of like life. if I was in Iran and we're being bombed, I just say just just be be patient. The man upstairs is in charge. So if something bad happens, it's on him. If something good happens, it's fine. It's gonna be okay. Don't worry about it. In Germany, I would tell myself that even though you're being bullied and you're having to learn how to deal with Yugoslavians, Polish, Czech, you know all these guys, Pakistanis, and you're like a kid your father's not in a picture you know from 10 to 14 years old you never really were 10 or 14 years old because there was no man in your life it's going to be a great pain today but it'll reward you good long term mm. in high school you didn't get good grades you're going to be okay buddy because you're good in math and people like you and you like people so be be, be patient it's going to be okay military it's going to teach you discipline in my 20s uh you know the whole process of uh people, you're seeing your friends getting married and having kids and all this stuff. I said, you know, I tell myself, no two people live the same life. So don't worry about who gives a shit if other people are getting married and having kids. You don't need to do that. You live your life. And if you are happy staying single, stay single. If you want to get married, get married, but be clear on why you want to get married, why you want to have kids, why you want to go to church. Don't just do it because parents do it and other people do it. Live your life. Don't, uh, have to apologize for you being driven and ambitious to what you want to do. That's probably what I would tell myself in my 30s because I made money in my 20s. I made very good money in my 20s. And I had a meeting one time with a friend of mine at his house. Uh, I was 29 years old and I went to his house and he said, man, I'm living the dream. I said, tell me about the dream. He says, Pat, every day I go to the office at 10 o'clock. I come home by three o'clock and I'm making $300,000 of your income. And this is amazing. I'm loving my life, living in a nice home, all this other stuff. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed with you. He says, why is that? I said, you were the Michael Jordan of our high school. I mean, you, you have all the records in our high school. You were the obsessed, competitive, all this stuff. You willing to compromise your potential and capacity at 29? I'm very disappointed. He didn't talk to me for a year and a half. Wow. Year and a half later, he writes me a long letter. He says, I've been thinking about you every day for a year and a flipping half, right? <laughs> And then he tells me what happened with him and what decision he's made. He says, I want us to have a very good friendship together. You guys know what they netted last year? $10 million. He netted $10 million net. I've been on their board and directing. They netted $10 million last year. You look at their lifestyle, what they're doing, the amount of properties they own, their cars parked outside, the reputation they have in a marketplace. Incredible business right now. They could sell their business for a couple hundred million dollars, but they're netting $10 million. What do I need to do? I've got good income. If I want to sell, I can. If I don't want to sell, I don't want to sell. But here's the thing, in that moment, it's very easy for somebody to say, what the hell are you working so hard for? Mm -hmm. This guy's like, he's right. We've made it. This is it. Slow down. Why are you going? I am going to live my life. And if I am driven and I have a vision to fulfill, I'm not going to stop. A guy asked me yesterday on a podcast, he says, so Pat, you know, uh, are you excited? Everybody knows in the marketplace that you're looking to replace yourself with a CEO. So what's the, you know, you're looking forward to retirement. I said, I don't even know the meaning of retirement. (laughs) I don't want to know the meaning of retirement because I think retirement is equal to me as dying as a funeral. I don't want to retire. Like what is the purpose of retiring? Even when I'm 75 years old, I want to help my grandkids with a business. Maybe I'm a consultant. Maybe I'm sitting with them. Maybe I'm dabbling with other stuff. 
what do you mean retirement? So this guy's going to go to the last day. And my dad once told me the best thing. He says, Pat, you got to realize you're never going to stop. He told me that. So I said, dad, one day we're going to, you know, I said, Pat, stop bullshitting everybody. You're never going to stop. It's not your wiring and it's okay. So in my thirties and now, uh, the advice would be very simple. Don't worry about the fact that you're going nonstop and everybody thinks you're crazy. Live your life. Let everybody else live their lives. You don't judge them. They don't judge you. You go do your thing. And then at the end of the day, if you're comfortable with the good and the bad decisions you're making, only one person has to answer that. It's you. So uh, more uh, acceptance today of who I am than ever before. Yeah. Giving your, it sounds like just giving yourself grace at all the stages and upon yourself, right? Like just, um, yeah. And knowing that you know, trust the process, it's all going to be okay. Things happen for reasons and, and, and uh, yeah, nothing's by mistake. Kind of thing. Yeah. It takes time to see the meaning. I just have one question when you're, when you're talking about with that conversation you had with that dude was chilling at 300 grand. What I was listening to something last night, but it got so late. I, I fell asleep. It was something you're talking about defining success. So we have a disease, if you will, in Western culture of more and more and more. And we're, so we're, we're by far the most affluent we've ever been in Western society, but we have a higher suicide rate, a higher opiate addiction, a higher antidepressant uh, pill taking rate than ever before. So here we are with more access and more money and less happiness. So go into, when is it okay for that guy to say 300 grand is fine? Is, or what, yeah. Tell me like what success really means then success fulfillment. What does it really mean? So I, you know, it's a great question. That that whole video got started because I was getting on a flight and a man named uh, uh, Greg oh, stopped right. me, told me, he says, I'm a value 10. He was 63 years old. I need 30 minutes of your time. And he says, how do you measure success? Because he has kids. His son, when he was a kid, was a nerd. He played video games and he was trying to change him. Instead of changing him, he bought him a computer. They unpacked the computer, put it back together. Then he went to Best Buy, got a job there. Now he's working cybersecurity for a company in Colorado. That, that's how the premise about that episode came about. But you know, it's, it's a great question you're asking, Craig, because at this point of my life, you know, the, my natural state is to be me and I challenge you. It's my natural state. Like, like I, I would assume if you're Ron Bill Belichick and you're on football, I would assume he's going to say, how are you 6'5", 230? You run a 4'5", uh, uh, you know, uh, 40. How are you not a tight end in the NFL? Because you, how, why don't you go practice your hands? Like I would assume that would be the dialogue with Belichick, right? You know, and I would assume the dialogue of a grandfather would be, hey, son, I'm proud of you. You know, I love you, grandson. I love you. You're my grandson. I love you. You know, I would expect that to be the position of a grandfather who loves you. But I had to understand that this is who I'm planning on being. And this is how I'm wired. If you're around me, you're going to get challenged because I don't know any other ways. I just know how to be PBD, right? At the same time, one of the, my biggest challenges today, I'm struggling with this, and I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. And we just had a conversation about this earlier today. It's so funny you're asking me this question, and I'm talking to you about this uh, openly. I called somebody yesterday. I said, I said I'm having a hard time. He says, What's your, what, what are you having a hard time with? I said, I am having a hard time uh, working with some of my guys who don't want to work that hard anymore because they're already making half a million, 700000 a million out of your income. And they've built a block of business that's paying them that net income and they've paid the price for 10 or 15 years. And I feel like I'm burning them out. Okay. And, and what do you have to say about that? And then he started talking to me and he says, look, you know, again, you have to realize, Pat, not everybody wants to go at your pace and that's okay. But why are you forcing people to go at your pace? You, you can inspire them, 
but you, you know, you can't be like, hey, you know, judging them. It's like, hey, look at this guy who's, uh, you know, going through. And, and I said, but you don't understand how talented some of these guys are. He says, it's irrelevant. They don't want to. So, you, you know, why are you putting that on them? You can challenge them and push them and have a conversation with them, but the decision's got to be left to who? The decision's got to be left to them, right? Yeah. And this has always been my approach in the last eight years, nine years, that I kind of leave it to you, make the decision. What do you want to do? Craig, here's what I think you can do. Here's my challenge to you. I think if you do this, you'll be here. The marketplace will know this. But at the end of the day, buddy, you got to go make your decision, okay? So let's just say Craig's dad, and Craig ends up building a $15 million your business, and you're netting a million every year, and you're happy with it. Your wife's happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. You're living the life that you always wanted to sign up for. Just the life I wanted. And you want to slow down, and I don't. I'm at a phase right now that I have to learn that you can make that decision, and I'm still going to cheer you on and tell you, how can I support you to go live that dream? And that's okay. And no passing of judgment, no passing of any of that stuff, because you paid your price. You deserve exactly what you got. So you're asking me this question, and I don't know if I answered the question to you or not. Maybe I did in different ways, but for me, uh, you know, I just know that not everybody's going to go at my pace. And I know that I won't be happy if I sit around. I know that. But that doesn't mean other people won't be happy golfing six days a week and their goal of having a handicap that they're impressed with, more power to them. It's just not my wiring. So you're a shark. You're made to swim. You got to have constant forward motion. It's just your DNA. What people want to do, more power to them. But I just think there is something there, and I don't want, I know we don't have time for this, but in, in a Western world like we live, we have such tremendous ac- access to capital, and there's so much potential that there's almost this inherent guilt. Because like you can just be cruising, making three, 400 grand, and the guy that just came over here from a South American company starts a landscaping company, and you watch this guy go from yeah. five employees to 500, and you're like, damn, I could have done that. So wasted <laughs> talent tortures us in this country. Because- I, will you, I will tell you this, Craig. I will tell you this, man. Think about it this way. You know how Charlie Munger was Warren Buffett's mentor and they became business partners and, you know, he's worth a couple billion and Buffett's worth 90 billion. And, you know, Buffett considers Charlie as his mentor, you know, but, you know, Buffett started with more money. One of his books he writes, I don't know if you guys have read Munger's, uh, 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 in that encyclopedia, it's a blue book. You got to buy it. I mean, you just, yeah, Munger, I've heard of it. Thick book. You got to go buy it. I highly recommend everybody buy it. It's like 50, 60 bucks. And you can read a page or two, you know, you're having coffee in the morning, everything. One of the things they talk about is the fact that they interviewed his kids. And they said, what was it like having Charlie as a father? And he said, you know, Charlie would tell us, you know, all the mistakes people made in their lives. He would never tell us the keys to success. He would tell us the keys to failure, right? He would say, well, look at this person and look at that person. Here's what they did. And here's why. So son, don't do this. So honey, don't do that, right? Okay. So when I ask myself, Pat, who do you think are the most miserable people on the planet? Because I would meet these people that are unhappy and bitter. I'm like, how could you be so bitter and miserable? And then finally, I came with my own formula on who I believe are the most miserable, unhappy people on the planet. It's people who are ambitious, competitive, but lazy. Hmm. Because when you're ambitious, competitive, and lazy, you produce the one feeling that kills you. And you know what that feeling is. It's one of the seven deadly sins. It's envy. envy just eats us up so meaning if you're okay making 350 and you're living an average life and you're cool with that and i'm like in your classmate i was a nobody in high school and all of a sudden i'm worth 300 million dollars if it doesn't bother you that i'm worth 300 million dollars and i'm still going to let's just say i want to make 10 billion 
and you're making 350 and you're happy with you making 350, me being $300 million, you're going to be okay. The problem lies if you're making 350 on 300000000 million and secretly you're like, yeah, Patrick, you know, all he does is probably all he cares about is money. And I bet his marriage is probably not good. That's the problem. So it'll eat you alive. That's exactly. eat your life. Eat so your you life. Got, you got to get aligned and ask yourself, which life do you want to live and accept it and stop judging. If you're competitive, ambitious, either drop your level of ambitious and be the lazy person or increase your level of activity and meet your ambition. But yeah. one of those two has got to happen. Stre- there was a great quote that's reminded me of it. it says stress comes from knowing what to do and not doing it. Stress comes from when you know you need to do something, you take no action. That's stress. That'll eat, that'll eat you up. So it's, I love that. So ambitious, competitive, and lazy. That's the formula right there. It's true. And that makes a lot of sense. There are, I've experienced that in my own life. Like, I want that. Like, oh, I don't want to do the freaking work that that guy does. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do it. I want to play at that game. But other games, I probably want to do that. That's awesome, man. Wow. <laughs> Patrick, I want to be respectful of your time because I know it's, uh, I know you've got, probably 10 other people waiting behind the camera there waiting for you to go to your, to go to your next thing. Uh, I just wanted to create, everyone go to Valuetainment, subscribe like I do, watch all his videos, consume his content. It literally just teaches you a lot. Your, your chalkboard sessions, Patrick, I have to tell you, like I literally feel like I'm at like MBA school when I'm going through some of this. It's just, I love that format. Loved it. Like it's just so cool. And you're just going through methodically like how to be a better entrepreneur. And I think it can extrapolate into dentistry because at the end of the day, we're all selling our different widget and, and selling has a, has a bad connotation in our industry. Very terrible much so. like conversation. Dentists, in dentists get, get they freak dentists out when get, you say that word. Yeah. They do not like the word selling, but at the end of the day, whether it's selling or educating or whatever, it's, it's a different widget. If you it's will. influence, it's influence. You're influencing right? people to take care of themselves and we call um, it selling. They freak out. Well, that's a more power to you guys for sharing your uh, trade secrets of what's working with you, working for you with the audience and uh, doing it openly at this point uh, of your career and everybody else around the world can learn from you on things that's working for you to work for them. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we're actually, uh, we're actually going to be in your neck of the woods in uh, February. We have our summit and coming up in Houston and I know your, your, your home base is Dallas. Um, God, I'd love to meet you again and have have you again in person, but I know that's a big ask, but, uh, (laughs) but anyway, I want to uh, end with that. Craig, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, just so grateful for your time. Grateful for your enthusiasm, your passion. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great gift that you're bestowing on other people, man. And uh, uh, I'm just honored to have, spend this time with you and really happy for my profession that they get to be exposed to you because a lot of dentists don't think of themselves as business people. They are. Wake up and smell the coffee. You're running a business. There's people that are, even if you don't have high expectations, you have a team of people that you're paying and that you need to run a responsible business just for them. So please subscribe to um, what he's doing and, and Valuetainment. And, Where are you uh, going to be in person too? I know you do a lot of speaking and you have your own uh, stuff. Where Can you kind of talk about where someone could go? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we, have a, uh, we did the Vault Conference last year, 2019. We had people show up from 43 different countries. I'm about to announce Vault 2020. It's going to be epic. I do one a year. It's a three-day session where we start off at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, and it's 12 hours every day, and it's all about processing A through Z, on you clearly knowing your next 15 moves uh, by leaving the event. So it's all about you knowing your next 15 moves or the position you're at when you attend the conference. So it's Vault 2020. If you follow the content, you'll be able to see when we announce the location here pretty soon. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, Pete and I might uh, yeah, see, we might see be you there. Attendance. We'll see you there. <laughs> we'll see you there. Well, Craig, uh, good talking to you. And Peter, I'm so glad we ran into each other at uh, Breakers. Take care, guys. Thanks yeah, for so having me. Thank, you, Thank you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.